Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second Boozy Muses podcast. This episode, we are diving into the seedy and complex world of museum thefts. I'm your host, Sarah Goble. Joining me again is artist and children's museum whisperer, Sarah Hickson. Hi, guys. Making her podcast debut is true crime goddess and collections maven Morgan Smith. Hello. Things are going to go slightly differently this episode. We're still tipsy, but the crimes we're talking about have been satisfactorily solved. There are no big mysteries left. I've compiled seven things which happen to items stolen from museums, and we're going to cover each one as a group, and I'm then going to tell the story of four museum heists stopping short of the conclusion. Morgan, Sarah, and you, the listener, will guess which of the seven paths the robbers took, and then I'll reveal what happened. Before we get started, let's do some disclosures. As I mentioned last time, I'm not an expert in this field. My only qualifications for talking about these crimes are my master's degree in museum studies, the countless hours of forensic files I've consumed, and the blueberry pomegranate mixed hard lemonade I drained. Please do not send me messages asking about my credentials because I don't have any. And we're being upfront about that. Tonight, we're talking about some things which will be exciting for many of you, but may also be triggering for some of you. They include machine guns, bombs, ransom, and arrest. Are we ready to begin, ladies? Let's do it. There are seven things which typically happen to stuff stolen from museums. I have basically lightly plagiarized this article written by Naomi Ray from Artnet News. Thanks for working hard so I didn't have to, Naomi. Number one is theft to order. People steal things because they or someone else has hired them because they want those specific items. Now, this is super rare, but it does happen. You know, people see something in a museum that they just absolutely have to have for themselves. So it's kind of just like DoorDash for crime. Yeah, DoorDash for priceless items in the public trust. Number two is seeking cash from the museum. They steal the stuff, then ransom it back to the museum or collect reward money for it. And the estimates from Naomi are that this happens in roughly 80% of museum thefts. Number three is really similar. It's getting an insurance payment from the insurance company of the museum. So some insurance companies will buy the stolen items off of you. It's typically 10 to 15% of the item's estimated value. And these museums often have a policy of not asking questions. So when you return the art, it's cheaper for them to pay the thief off than pay the museum's policy off. So they'll just take it back however you can get them. Do you have thoughts, Morgan? I just fiercely unethical. Like, I, I want statistics on how often this happens, which I, I know you are not going to have statistics, but wow. It's also okay. interesting because you would need insider knowledge to do this because yeah. a lot of museums are self-insured or they have no insurance or they only have insurance on specific items you would need to do a lot of legwork to determine which items you could even get payouts on. Because a lot of the big museums, their collections are so priceless that it would bankrupt the museum to insure them with the company. So they're self-insured. Right, like insurance is not cheap. (laughs) But it's a thing that happens. Okay, number two is you break down the stolen items for pieces for the materials. 
you steal jewelry, you just go on and pry those gems right out of there and then sell the gems on their own for their value. And since they're not in the original jewelry, which would be identifiable, you're less likely to get caught. Number five is trying to sell the artwork legitimately. This is really, really hard once the theft is reported. However, you could take something from say collection storage, then sell it through a dealer before the museum reports the loss. And so that way there's not like the ping that gets up when they search it. Alternatively, you can also sell it in a place where they don't necessarily care if it's stolen or not. Naomi specifically mentioned Russia and Saudi Arabia. People in those country with money apparently don't care that the item was stolen as long as it's theirs now. Finders, keepers, neener, neener. Number six, and this is the one you've all been waiting for, is the black market. And this actually tends to be a last resort for museum thieves because you only get a small fraction of the true value because museum on the legitimate market, if it's worth a million dollars, may only be worth 50,000 on the black market because you can't display it. Number seven, which is my favorite, is a get out of jail free card. You steal a priceless work of art or an artifact from a museum, then when the police snap you or say your crime boss for something else, you pull a monopoly on them and offer an exchange. So you're like, hey, I've got this Vermeer, let me out of jail or reduce my sentence. It is art for freedom. Wait. Hold on. So they, I may not be understanding this correctly. So they steal the artwork, the police catch them, and they say, you got me, here it is. And then they just get let go? It could be for a different crime, or they could use it to reduce their sentence. So So if you think about the well, the art heist everyone knows about now, almost to an irritating point, is that Isabella Stewart Gardner theft. And at several points, those pieces of art have been brought up by members of different mob organizations in order to talk down the sentence of members who have been arrested for mob-related things. Okay, so you're talking about, like, a different thing, not the same one or does that also happen and one of the crimes I won't say which one a guy gets caught he's involved in the crime and his son is also involved and he gives up his son as the one who has the painting for a lesser sentence thanks a heap dad okay I know (laughs) kill to be at that Thanksgiving table like a couple years later Oh my God. <laughs> There's actually a lot of family and like drama involved with these four heists we're going to talk about. So get ready. If you have alcohol listeners, now is the time to start guzzling it. For our first crime of the episode, we're going to talk about a Frenchman named Stéphane Breitweiser. Stéphane is the most prolific ma- museum thief to ever live. From 1995 to 2000, Stefan stole 239 works from 172 museums across Europe. For six years, he took something roughly every 15 days. I'm just astounded. I've never even stolen lip gloss. And this guy is like, 
that's a nice painting. I'm going to take it. Exactly. That's exactly what he did. And he like, okay, so he had it down to a science. So Stefan and his girlfriend would walk into a museum and act just like regular visitors. They would buy tickets, peruse the galleries. They would go around lunchtime because there was fewer guards because some of them were on their lunch breaks and also fewer visitors because people get hungry. Stefan would then scope out the place watching things like visitor flow and how many guards there were, what the guards were doing, are they standing, are they sitting, how often are they making rounds. And when they had the lay in the land, the girlfriend would position herself at the entrance to the gallery room with the desired object. And Stefan would just blatantly begin taking it off the wall or taking it out of the case. And if someone would come, the girlfriend would, you know, cough lightly like a, <sighs> and Stefan would pretend like everything was completely normal until the coast was clear. So he would literally be in the middle of taking something here like a, <sighs> and then just pretend to be looking at a painting while the guard came through the room. And then as soon as the guard left, he would proceed with his theft. And when he had the item off of the wall or out of the cabinet, he would stuff it in his jacket. And he had a jacket specifically tailored. So it was a tailored jacket, but it was a little bit loose. So you couldn't tell when there was like a bulge in it. Eventually he got it so down to a science that he began placing item removed for cleaning signs at the space of the empty ob like objects. He saw them one day in a museum and was like, hmm, that's a good idea. And he took it. And then all of his preceding heist, he started put like putting the item off display cards so guards wouldn't, like couldn't tell. The collections, Maven is offended by this. I'm, I'm just, I, well, first off, I was, thank you for saying he would put it in his, jacket or something because like I legitimately was just picturing like a giant painting and like a security guard walking in as he's like holding it on each side being like oh mm, nice well and if it was larger sometimes he would like take it to a bathroom and like roll it up and stash it and then come back later but it's later in my script that I was going to mention it but like Stefan had nerds of steel like this was the most ballsy individual to ever exist he was once in a museum and the guard yelled stop thief and then the guards rushed in and tackled another dude who was stealing something and in the chaos Stefan was like oh here's my opportunity and he took a painting off the wall and walked out with it I'm sorry that's a cartoon that's not real this this is real life and so eventually Stefan had stolen 1.4 billion dollars worth of stuff from museums all across Europe. One painting he stole was worth 5 million euros on its own. So the real question is, what do you think Stefan did with all of the stuff that he stole? Okay, so if you're consistently taking that much stuff, it can't be an insurance scheme because that that just would not work. And he, he seems like a man of opportunity. So I doubt he's like fielding orders from people. Good thoughts. Agreed. Agreed. Oh my God. 
I feel like this has to be like a black market situation. Like that's final answer. I don't know, Sarah. Do you want to? Do you want to weigh in? Yeah, I. Uh, I feel like it also couldn't be reward money for museums if it's he's traveling so much. You know, if there's a bunch of museums in one city that have stuff taken, they would almost have to like, I don't know. But I'm also like, it probably could be. It probably could be reward money. If if the painting was worth five million on its own. Are you guys are you guys ready for the answer? Yes. Yes. Okay. Stefan stole it all for himself. And he kept it all. You greedy little- Stefan had a dragon <laughs> hoard of $1.4 billion worth of stolen stuff in his house. And he and his girlfriend could not never let anyone in their apartment because it was just all over the walls. It was just everywhere. Everywhere was stolen stuff. And he specifically liked to steal stuff from the 16th and 17th century. Like that was his jazz. So he just stole it and kept it for himself. Baroque so, paintings. He loved Baroque paintings. I would kill to see this man's bathroom because you just know that he has the gaudiest like scene of the crucifixion above the toilet that he <laughs> stole from a museum just because he could. Just, just wait. Okay, so we know all of this because in 2001, he was caught taking a 16th century bugle from the Richard Wagner Museum in Lucerne, Switzerland. And a guard spotted him taking it, but he was able to get away. Stefan returned two days later. A dog walker spotted him being sketched around the museum and reported to him to what happened to be the same guard. Stefan gets arrested and admits to stealing the bugle. And he thinks he thinks that's it. But he never wore gloves for any of these robberies. And so the police start to put together stuff. And he's like, oh, crap. But meanwhile, back home in the dragon sword, his girlfriend lets his mom into their house. And the mom is like, oh, crap. Like, what has Stefan done? they start to get rid of it. They literally dump millions of dollars worth of stuff into a canal by their house. And then some of the paintings, they just straight up started burning. It took the Swiss police a couple weeks to get a warrant because obviously it's a different country, even though it's in the EU. And so by the time they got there, it was just a completely bare house. But they ended up like someone saw something shiny in the canal and they started pulling it out and then kept pulling it out and eventually we're like mm, I should probably call the police this seems like something bad is going on Vaughn was sentenced to prison five years and he served those he was released in 2008 but Stefan was not done yet oh no no no, no. In 2011, police found 30 more stolen works of art in his house. Stefan went back to jail for three more years. Stefan, you gotta stop. Like, but oh wait, he did not stop. No. <laughs> February 2020, 
Stefan is arrested for trying to sell a stolen 19th century paperweight on eBay. And this is the only item he's ever tried to sell. And I think it's because it's from the 19th century and not the 16th or 17th century. He's just like, no, this would really clash with the decor. Um, I think I should get some returns on my investment. Like, eBay? eBay's <laughs> legitimate? <laughs> One, who's using eBay in 2020? I don't know. Get you That's what I was going to say. You could at least get an Etsy account and be like, this stunning handmade weather. Vintage. <laughs> Vintage. The police aren't wise to Etsy yet. They're not no. millennial enough. <laughs> okay. That's Stefan. He's written a book about. No. He has written a book and he wrote it after his first jail sentence and then proceeded to go on to steal. Do we do we know what this book is called? Just uh, for science. Okay. He released an autobiography called Confessions of an Art Thief. What an asshole. Like, here's your confession. I'll never quit. Well, the thing is, his mom also got jail time for panicking and burning and hiding things. Well, yeah, because at that point, you're an accomplice. Also, like, only five years for for that much? Like, I, I'm, I mean, like, I know that this is another country and that most legal systems are fucked anyways. Wait, am I allowed to say naughty words on this podcast? I should we'll figure it out words. later. Bleep it. Cut it. I don't know. I apologize. <laughs> I, I just feel like five years is not... That's just... I don't know. That's an odd number to me for someone who's, like, stolen billions of dollars worth of priceless art. The thing that gets me is they mention that the mom serves time, but they don't mention the girlfriend who was literally in the museum with him. And his story goes that after his girlfriend and him had just gotten together, he was going through a hard time and they were at a museum together and he saw an an antique gun and it like related back to some of the family issues. And so he was thinking about taking it and he mentioned it to his girlfriend. She was like, take it, take it. And so he took it and put it in his backpack but then eventually she's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't not let anyone into my apartment because we have a billion dollars worth of stolen decor. But no, no, uh, no jail time for the girlfriend. Okay, are we ready for the next one? It is equally as crazy in a different way. Lay it on me. Okay. We next go to the Swedish National Museum on December 22nd, 2000. Merry Christmas. Have you guys heard about this one? No. No, I'd never heard about the first one either. I have a feeling I'm not going to know any of these. All right. So robbers walk into this museum one at a time. The first one goes and he buys a ticket, kind of pretending to be a regular person. The second one walks in, jumps over the rope that, you know, is dividing the entrance line from the galleries and starts running into the galleries. And then the third one comes in and pulls out a machine gun. Guests and guards are ordered onto the floor. 
However, one guard did manage to alert the police. But the police can't get there because there's a ton of Christmas traffic in the city center and they had conveniently set off two car bombs on the highways on the crowded street. So the police literally could not get through the traffic and the flaming vehicles to get to the museum. So all roads to the museum are blocked. The thieves grab one Rembrandt and two Renoirs. They then make their way down to the dock to a small speedboat to get away because they've blocked all the streets so it can't get away with cars. The police are then additionally delayed when there are spikes left out by the criminals to pop the police car tires. The paintings are stolen. There were 30 to $36 million at the time. Police can't get there. The guys come in waving guns, get away on a speedboat, literally a movie. What do you think they did with the paintings once they got away on the speedboat? Well, I'm, I need to just, I need to compose myself because we are like leaps and bounds away from our man Stefan who is just like walking into a museum like oh what a lovely what a lovely uh, little triptych mind if I take it these people are like here's the plan we murder tons of civilians they did as a diversion they didn't shoot anyone Okay, but also, like, you set off a car bomb. Like, you had to know that, like, at the worst case scenario, you might have killed someone. I mean, so you're not wrong. These are, like, these are, it's not a victimless crime. Like, this, these are heavy stakes. There's no way they're, like, you know, it's a lovely day. I think I'll just go take a Rembrandt for my basement. And the other thing is, like this is the EU like no it's not like the United States where people just have machine guns for fun and that's something we have to grapple with as a society this is where people don't have guns the museum guards are not armed the police are likely not armed with this kind of firepower right like I don't know how hard it is to get a gun in those states but like you gotta think that it's probably is it even legal to have no a machine gun? No. Like, do they repeat? They do not repeat. Okay. They get caught. Oh, wait a second. Is this the get out of jail free one? No. 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 Wait. Okay. Well, <laughs> I said no, right? As you said no. So it doesn't count. I still get to guess. Okay. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> there are no strict rules to this game. We appreciate that so much. Okay, but like, there's no way. Okay, so they, what What were the two, the, the three that they took? It was two. It was two Renoirs and a Rembrandt. Okay. And they were small paintings, so they were easy to get away with. Yeah, but anybody who knows anything about like buying fine art, they're gonna know what those are like they're gonna know it's a hot painting so I know I already guessed black market but I'm guessing black market again okay Hickson I'm gonna say insurance insurance okay yeah, I'm probably wrong but I don't that's care. a this is that's fun. a bold guess and do we, <laughs> I was just like do we have a reasoning or are you just like no. I mean it sounds good let's go with it why not the answer is ransom. 
they sent a three million ransom note to the museum and the Swedish National Museum said, screw you, we're not paying for our own stuff. Within a month, 10 people were arrested in connection to the heist. And this included two lawyers who acted as the ransom note middlemen and then went down with the criminals. And they have uh, luckily recovered all three of these artworks. 2001, they found it in an unrelated heist. That was one of the Renoirs. In 2005, the Rembrandt was found in a Copenhagen hotel room. That same year, the FBI in LA were investigating a Bulgarian crime syndicate and their leader was arrested. And he's, they're like, we know that you have this. And he's like, mm, I gotcha. And then the other one is in Copenhagen. So you can get that one too. And this is the one where when they were looking for the last painting, they arrested this guy and he's like, yo, my son has a connection to it. If you reduce my sentence, I'll sell him out. And so they sold him out and he was like in the room why his son was selling this artwork undercover detective. How has this not been made into like at the very least a lifetime movie? The Art of the Heist is a very good series on Amazon and they do cover this one. Okay, are we ready for the next one? Yeah. Morgan's not ready. When is ransom ever a good idea? Like in your mind, what are you, are they going to leave the money in a duffel bag under a bridge at midnight? Like, how are you going to get your money without being tied to this crime? Like there's no, there's no successful ransom story. Like you always get caught. There's not, I don't think ransom, I think the insurance company or the reward is a better option. But in this case, the because it was such an audacious crime, I think the museum staff was pretty sure that they were gonna catch them and the criminals made a lot of mistakes. And so the police were very quickly on their trail. And of course, communicating that to the museum, the speedboat that they had bought, they bought a few days before the heist, the guy, asked for like some form of identification or something like that. And the criminal gave him his real phone number. And so the police went to track down the type of speedboat, which was seen by a witness. And they found out that this guy had had it. And he's like, oh yeah, I sold that a few days ago. Here's the receipt of sale and the guy's phone number. So then they tracked that guy from the phone and then looked at all of his phone records. He was going so, like, the plan seemed so solid, and then it wasn't. <laughs> the, like, actual running into the museum, they had wire cutters, like, that all went brilliantly. And it then was, he just gives his phone number to the police officer. Like, yeah, no problem, man who will surely arrest me. Here's my home phone while you're at it. This sounds a lot like a group project that one guy worked really, really hard on. <laughs> and then everyone else is like, Here's what I did up until four o'clock in the morning. Figuring out, here you go. He's like the guy that missed like the one key planning meeting, where they're like, "Dave, you really should have been at this meeting. We covered all the things we're supposed to say if we run into cops." He's like, "No, no, I got this. I got this." 
This is why I just do all of the group project work and then hand the prepared group project to the team. It's like, <laughs> this is your group project. Okay, are we ready to move on to our next crime? Let's do it. All right. June 2009, a suburb near London, 20-year-old flautist, and I learned that it is pronounced flautist and not flutist, flautist. Correct. Correct. Sorry, not to be confused with flautas, the um, Mexican, is it Mexican? The Mexican taco thing? Cut this out. This is bad. <laughs> there was a food joke there. There was a food joke and I had it and I lost it. Okay, so 20-year-old flautist Edwin Rist is walking down a country lane with the suitcase. The American student at the Royal Academy of Music is headed towards the Museum of National History in Tring. Now, Rist has been there once before. On November 5th, 2008, he set up a research appointment claiming he needed to photograph their birds of paradise for a graduate student doing research on the birds because graduate students often do their research for photographs instead of taking the 20 minute train ride to it anyway, phoning it in there apparently. So staff took Edwin to the bird vault and then left him to his own devices to photograph the birds. So Edwin moves from cabinet to cabinet and he takes a bird out, he photographs it and then when he's putting it back, he also photographs the cabinet. So he's essentially building a visual map of the collection storage area. It held 750,000 bird skins and 1,500 steel cabinets. So it's just, it's just ripe full of stuff that he would like to steal. When Edwin arrives back in June, he is prepared. He brought with him the empty suitcase, a miniature flashlight, wire cutters, latex gloves, and a diamond glass cutter. And at first, everything goes to plan for our dear Edwin. He cuts through a fence, he scales a wall, but when he gets to the window, he realizes that the diamond glass cutter he bought specifically for the occasion has been dropped on the way. But no problem, he just bashes in the window. Edwin then lets himself in and he, loses himself stealing in the museum he has a set time he'd like to be in the museum but he's not paying attention to the time he's in there for three hours shoving bird skins from the collections cases into the suitcase now he gets magnificent rifle birds resplendent quetzal and superb birds of paradise which if you're a natural history person that I am not, that probably means something to you. And so when Edwin climbs back out the window, he doesn't even know how many bird skins he has stolen. Turns out it is 299 bird skins. So Edwin walks the miles back on this country lane to the train station, wheeling a suitcase filled with millions of dollars worth of bird skins, only to realize he's missed the last train to London. Surely while he's sitting on the platform waiting for the 3.43 a.m. train to London, the police are going to get a report of the museum theft and come get him, right? Nope. So Edwin gets away clean, 
the museum guard finds the broken window that doesn't see anything on display missing. And this museum had stuff from Darwin and other things that they assumed would be the target of theft if anyone was to steal from the museum. So it's several months before the museum even realizes anything is missing. And by that time, Edwin is already executing the rest of his plan. What did Edwin do with the bird skins? I know this one. I think I know this one anyway. I know that this is the story from the feather thief. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going to be honest. I never read that book. And I and I know that we listened to a presentation about this in grad yep. school. Yep. I am 100% certain that that was a day I was playing spider solitaire in the back of the room. So I do not remember okay. how this story ends. I, and I'm just not even going to venture to guess because I know Hickson knows it. I only listened to this. I listened to it on an audiobook when I got it on a two-for-one sale. So. <laughs> <laughs> no so we're, we're very very sorry to the cohort member who presented on this book <laughs> During... time and effort on what I'm sure was a wonderful presentation just for me to be in the back like <laughs> but, but to make up for it after I listened to the book I told my dad that he should read it and he checked it out from the local library so I feel like that makes up for some of my sins. We, we love a good education moment. All right, Hickson. That very much. Hickson, um, what so do you think happened? I think, didn't he, didn't he sell it for materials? Didn't he make lures and stuff out of it? Correct. Which is awful. So um, <laughs> Edwin parted out the skins and sold the feathers. He was part of a community of fly tires, so like fishing ties. Only these people don't actually fish. They are all about the art of tying the fly. And the most prized flies in this community are Victorian ones because they were the founders of the fly tying community. In the Victorian era, birds of paradise were just being killed left and right for hats and purses and dresses and what have you. So they were available. Fortunately, now we know that leads to extinction. Edwin stole the feathers for their beauty in order to help him and his fellow fly tires recreate some of the most famous Victorian flies with feathers from the birds of paradise. Edwin sold the feathers over the internet. A typical bird skin might have 500 feathers per breast. Edwin sold the feathers in packets of 10 for about $500. Eventually Edwin was caught and he claims to this day that he liberated those bird feathers from people who did not appreciate their beauty and brought them to people who would make art out of them. Edwin is now a flautist in Germany performing under a different name. First off, you know he had an Etsy page. He was like, eBay is not good enough for my artisanal flyers. There are there were specific websites frequented by fly tires and Edwin knew the founders of these websites and there's also questions about whether the fly tires knew that these must have been stolen because these feathers were very rare and worth a lot of money and then all of a sudden this 20 year old kid living in London just had a lot of them to sell on the internet 
there's lots of questions about it. And as we previously mentioned, there is a book which I recommend even if you get it on an Audible two-for-one sale. This is the last one of the episode. I picked it because it's recent, short, and it is also a two-for-one. I didn't plan that, but it's convenient. So March 30th, 2020, the world has gone into pandemic lockdown, and this one guy decides he's too bored and he just has to leave his apartment. So he jumps on his motorcycle, drives to the Singer Lorraine Museum and uses a sledgehammer to break through the reinforced glass door. He runs in and he steals a teeny tiny Van Gogh or Van Gogh, if you're European, off the wall and then drives away on his cycle. And the whole thing is caught on security camera. And then shoot forward a few months, August 7th, 2020, And our friend, once again, decides that he's bored. At 3.30 a.m., he forced to open the back door of the Horge Van Arden Museum. I am sorry, anyone who actually knows how to pronounce that. He emerges with the Franz Halls painting worth $17 million. And very interestingly, this painting was also stolen in 1998 and 2011. What did our lovely quarantine friend do with these works of art? I feel like this one might be a black market sale just because people were desperate for stuff. (laughs) I have guessed black market exclusively during this game. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not guessing black market. I, I mean, so I, he did all this just because he was bored. No, I just threw that in for flavor. I don't. Okay, well, know. so it, okay. I mean, who who among us was not bored um, suddenly when you literally could not go anywhere? We dreamed of creating a podcast, and here we are. So are we still bored? Anyways, your time um, is up. Which <laughs> which of the seven do you think it is? I bet he did a get out of jail free card. Because he did two crimes and he got caught and he was like, okay, but I also took this other thing. All right. So this one, I'm really, really sorry, Morgan. They think it's actually black market. They haven't recovered the paintings yet and there's no sign of a sale, but they caught this guy because he was connected to two famous art thieves. They believe that because they were stolen in such a brazen way and the world was immediately notified that they were missing, that black market was the only option because no ransom notes were sent. They weren't um, insured the Van Gogh was on loan to the museum. So it would have been like a complicated travel insurance type of situation that only museum professionals care about, which if you've made it this far into the museum, podcast who probably are a museum professional or my mother hi mom (laughs) we love you anyway we appreciate your support (laughs) okay any final thoughts on our museum thefts or type of things people do with stolen museum things it's always art though isn't it like people aren't stealing crap from history museums probably because it's worth millions And that's so stupid that it's worth millions of dollars. 
because the art world just kind of sucks in general I love art it's my life I'm not like, like encouraging people to steal from history museums but I'm like a little offended that they're not. <laughs> well, honestly I think that it might have something to do with just like the ease of being able to take it because if you think like like I'm thinking about the museum that I work in right like it's a history museum but we have a changing gallery where art is art is always just like on the wall or it's on a pedestal but like objects are normally encased so maybe it's not so much that they don't want to take that stuff and more so like it's much easier to like cut a painting out of a canvas and run away with it rather than to like try to get into a case because you wouldn't just put an object but the clever the clever thieves are stealing from collection storage that's true see that doesn't make sense i don't know how how do you get in there you pretend that you're taking photos for a graduate student (laughs) okay so let's sign off for the night good night boozy musies podcasters i hope you're as alcoholed up as I am, so this is funny to you. Say good night, ladies. <laughs> good, good night, night guys. <laughs>